you can turn in your Bibles to Luke 23, verses 26 through 43. And as they led him away, they seized one, Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country, and laid on him the cross to carry it behind Jesus. And there followed him a great multitude of the people and of women who were mourning and lamenting for him. But turning to them, Jesus said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For behold, the days are coming when they will say, Blessed are the barren and the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills, Cover us. For if they do these things when the wood is green, what will happen when it is dry? Two others, who were criminals, were led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments. And the people stood by watching, but the rulers scoffed at him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself, if he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine, and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals, who were hanged, railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, Truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. I've mentioned before that um, one of my daughters... I'm not going to tell you which one, but if you ask me later, I absolutely will tell you which one. Um, uh, she, she asks me every once in a while, how, how long is the sermon going to be this Sunday, Dad? How long is the sermon? And then I say, well, I don't know. I've got a few points. Why do you ask? And she says, oh, I'm just wondering. Nobody is ever just wondering. That's not a thing. When someone says to you, you're going to wear that to church? Yes, I am. Why do you ask? Just wondering. No, no. No. You know, like you're sitting there and you're eating something. Someone comes up. You're going you're gonna to eat all that? Yes, I am. Oh, I was just wondering. No, you weren't. Stop. Don't lie to me. And I, I mean, uh, my daughter has every, you know, every reason to ask how long the sermon is going to be. Um, my sermons lately have not been what you would call short, um, and she also knows that today we're talking about the cross, and the cross is everything. The whole Old Testament leads up to the cross. The whole New Testament is built on the cross. You are here this morning because of the cross. The cross shows us the immensity of our sin. It shows us the, 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 the shocking hugeness of God's grace. The cross is everything. And so, a sermon about everything could take a while. Because the implications are, this is why, this is why I, I love preaching Easter sermons, but it's so, it's so difficult because it's about everything. Everything flows from what happens here in these final chapters of Luke. You could talk about anything. I've decided not 
this morning. I've decided not to preach a sermon about everything. I feel like that could take us a few minutes. Um, Instead, what we're going to try to do this morning is we're going to try to just survey the wondrous cross here in these verses in Luke. We're going to try to keep our attention focused on these verses in Luke. We'll we'll mention other passages of Scripture too, but we're going to try to just look at Luke and what he has to say for us and, and survey the wondrous cross and then in doing so, see our wondrous Savior. Whenever you're, you know, whenever you're putting together a sermon and you finish, you, you sort of finish the work where it's, you study it out and you say, this is what the text means. And so here's sort of my points for my sermon. Here's how I'm going to help people understand what the text is about. And then you come to the so what, right? So what? Every sermon has to have a so what. So what do, what do we do with this? This morning, my prayer for you and for me is what we do with this is we, we see the wondrous cross. We believe and we worship. That's it. That's the so what. So if you're waiting for the so what, there it is this morning. We want to, we want to believe what we see here and we want to worship. We're going to see our wondrous Savior as we look at this wondrous cross and we're going to see Three parts to the sermon this morning. We're going to see Jesus warns the ones who weep for Him. We're going to see Jesus prays for the ones who mock Him. And we're going to see Jesus saves the one who believes in Him. That's our, that's our outline this morning. So let's, let's dig in. First, first thing we see, Jesus warns the ones who weep for Him starting in verse 26, and as they led him away, they seized one, Simon of Cyrene, who is coming in from the country, and they laid on him the cross to carry it behind Jesus. Jesus was carrying the cross, um, but he was so, now he was so weak, and he was in so much pain. Um, We're going to see over and over and over here in the the book of Luke that, that Luke the doctor doesn't sensationalize the violence of the crucifixion. He doesn't go into graphic, bloody detail. We know that Roman crucifixion was a gruesome, violent death. And it was not meant to be over quickly. It was meant to take a long time. It was meant to be death by torture. And we know Jesus has already been whipped and beaten, so he is not physically able to carry his cross. So Simon is commanded to carry it for him. And as we continue on these verses, we, we know that Jesus himself, is his body is filled with pain. Jesus' body is filled with pain, but he himself is filled with compassion. Verse 27. So I think if, we, if we're going to get these verses, we have to remember that as Jesus is saying these things, he is... He is rocked with pain and he is headed for um, shame and, and wrath that he does not deserve. So listen to him. Verse 27, There followed him a great multitude of the people and of women who were mourning and lamenting for him. And we don't know if these were like professional mourners, because that was a thing back then, or if these were like um, volunteer mourners. Um, but we have no reason to doubt their sincerity. Uh, verse 28, But turning to them, Jesus said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. 
For behold, the days are coming when they will say, Blessed are the barren and the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nursed. So this would be a great reversal in first century Israel, right? The, the blessed women were the ones who were able to have children. And, but now, this is, there's going to be a time that's so terrible that, that the ones who are actually blessed are the ones who don't have any children to worry about, to try to protect. Because, because it's going to get terrible. Verse 30, then they will begin to say to the mountains, fall on us, and to the hills, cover us. For if they do these things when the wood is green, what will happen when it is dry? If you, and I think what Jesus is saying is, if this is going to happen to me and I don't deserve it, um, imagine the torment for the ones who do. Imagine the torment for the ones who do. Jesus is, um, the, the, many commentators have pointed out, um, and I think it might have, might be, uh, J.C. Ryle who did it first and then everybody copied him. There's not a lot of new material out there in biblical scholar world. Um, usually it's just people saying stuff that someone 200 years ago said. But anyhow, um, um, J.C. Ryle pointed out that Jesus in these verses in Luke, he shows us that he is indeed the prophet and the priest and the king that we need. And we'll see that as we work through our three sections. He, Jesus here is the prophet. And he is giving this compassionate warning to the people of Jerusalem. Rome is going to turn against the city. And when they turn against the city, um, it, is, it is fierce and it is harsh and it is cruel. I, I read a little bit this week from Josephus, a, a first century historian who, who talked about what it was like when Rome crushed Jerusalem in like AD 66 to AD 70. Um, and, and it was terrifying. It was horrifying. Jesus, Jesus is 100% accurate here when he says it is better that there's no babies whatsoever. Because it's horrible. Jesus, in all of his compassion here, is issuing a clear prophetic warning. He wants these mourners to see that there is that there is a place they should redirect their sorrow. They should redirect their weeping to the sorrow for those who have rejected Jesus. The sorrow for those who have rejected the Word of God. The sorrow for those who are going to suffer the judgment they deserve because of their rebellion. And, and then, we also understand that this judgment that's going to fall down on Jerusalem is it's just a, a small glimpse, it's a small taste of the judgment that all who reject Christ will eventually suffer in hell. Jesus says, don't weep for me. Weep for those who reject me. Can you imagine this kind of compassion? Jesus, in all of His shame, all of His agony, and what is He doing here? It's as Dale prayed before the sermon. We see just this incredible love for other people. He's saying, He's saying here, don't weep for me. Weep for the ones who are beating me. Weep for the ones who are mocking me. Weep for the ones who are torturing me. Don't weep for me, Jesus says. Weep for the ones who are in rebellion against God. Jesus is the compassionate prophet that we need. Before we move on, as we see what Jesus weeps over. We have to ask ourselves, is this what we weep over? 
Is our greatest sadness for those who have rejected the Gospel and who are going to face the judgment that they deserve for their sin? Is that our greatest sadness? Jesus warns the ones who weep for Him. Second, Jesus prays for the ones who mock Him. Starting in verse 32, two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with Him. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified Him. And the criminals, one on His right and one on His left, and Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide His garments, and the people stood by watching But the rulers scoffed at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself if he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There is also an inscription over him. This is the king of the Jews. There's so much mockery in these nine, in these eight, seven verses, whatever it is. There's so much mockery here. It almost, it's almost, hard for us to, to say aloud, isn't it? Again, what we see here is Luke doesn't sensationalize the violence of the cross. Luke, uh, we, we believe Luke had like the, the medical knowledge, right? He, he could have, if he wanted to, really gone into detail about what Jesus' body was going through. He could have done that. But he doesn't. Instead, all he says is that little phrase, there they crucified him. He could have done the Mel Gibson thing and just painted a picture for us. But he doesn't do that. And, and he could have also um, gone into graphic detail about the, about the public humiliation. G- g- the, 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 the victims of crucifixion, they were crucified Naked. They, they were, they were completely naked. And the, and the soldiers would often take advantage of this. They would, they would physically torture, um, and they would, and they would, they would emotionally torture the crucifixion victim. They, they would, they would, um, exploit the nakedness for, for the sake of humiliation, for the sake of public humiliation. But Luke doesn't focus on that either. Instead, Luke is, is dialed in here on how the soldiers and the rulers mock Jesus and how Jesus in the midst of this is praying for them. We, we have Isaiah 53 ringing in our ears, don't we? That He was numbered among the transgressors. There's a transgressor on His right and on His left and He is making intercession for the transgressors. So not only is Jesus numbered among the transgressors, but He's making intercession for them. He's saying, Father, forgive them. He's making intercession for the transgressors who are mocking Him. These soldiers and these rulers, they think it's the funniest thing in the world that he claims to be the Messiah. If you, I mean, if you looked at this, uh, at, at this, at this bleeding, humiliating, humiliated man hanging on a on a cross, 
the, the, the craziest, funniest thing in the world to you if you are, if you are sick. And, and we are sick. Funniest thing in the world to you is that he could be the king. He could be the Messiah. What kind of king dies like this? That's the question when you look at the cross. This is why, this is why Paul calls the cross a stumbling block. What kind of king dies like this? This is ridiculous. This is absurd. This is embarrassing. Stop calling yourself a king. If you can't, if you, if, if this is the way you're gonna end, you're a sham. You're a joke. And they were enjoying themselves, pointing out how hilarious this was. Where's your power now? You've saved others. And they, they truly believe that He has saved others. He has, he has delivered people from all kinds of disease and all kinds of demon possession. And, and He's delivered them from, from fierce storms. He has delivered people. He has saved people. Where are you now? Where's your great saving power now? Prove yourself. They're watching Jesus writhe in agony. They're watching Jesus hang in humiliation. And the funniest thing in the world to, to them was the idea that He could be the Messiah. It seemed ridiculous. It was, it was just as Isaiah said it would be. Isaiah says He's despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, He was despised and we esteemed Him not. And in the midst of all of this, Jesus shows compassion that it is hard for us to comprehend. He says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. They're casting lots and dividing up His clothes just as Psalm 22 said they would. They're treating Him as one who deserves to be smitten by God just as Isaiah said they would. They're blind to the ways they are fulfilling Scripture. And much more than that, they're blind to the fact that Jesus truly is the Messiah because the cross is a stumbling block. They cannot get over this. And so they are beating on Him. They are spitting on Him. They are laughing at Him. And Jesus is praying for them. And in this moment, we see Jesus is not only the prophet that we need. He is the, he is the priest we need. He is making intercession for the transgressors, even the transgressors that are at that moment attacking him. I um, I was thinking about this compassion. It's hard for us to fathom. I was I was thinking one of my one of my all time favorite movies is a movie called The Quiet Place. It's a it's a like a scary sci fi type movie. Um, but it kind of reminds me of, of Luke here. Just well, hold on, wait, 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 wait. It helps. It kind of reminds me of Luke here because it doesn't sensationalize violence. It's a scary movie. It's a, it, there is intent. Like you're you're on the edge of your seat watching this movie. Um, but it's the the movie is not about the violence. It's not it's not sensationalizing the violence. It's it's making a big deal out of sacrifice. It's a lot about the sacrifice that, that these parents make for their children, for the sake of their family. And there's a scene where this, this woman is about to have a baby. And so this is a, it's a sci-fi movie, I told you, right? It's like a, it's like a, uh, apocalyptic movie where these monsters have taken over the world. And these monsters can't see, like, like they can't see their, 
not their hand, whatever it is in front of them. They can't see their claw in front, whatever it is, their paw, whatever they have. They, they can't see in front of their face hardly at all, but they can hear miles away. And so everybody's got to be incredibly quiet. Um, you, have to be, you have to be incredibly quiet or you're dead. So this woman is going into labor. She's about to have a baby. And so she's going down, downstairs into her basement where they, they've made like this, this quiet place for her to have a baby, and she steps on this nail, and you, and, and you want to scream for her, and, and she is just, so the movie in that moment doesn't, it's not about her pain, it's about her holding in her scream for the sake of her family, for the sake of her unborn child, for the sake of her small children, she is, she is, she is staying quiet in spite of all the pain, for the sake of her kids. And you, you look at Jesus on the cross, and Isaiah says he's like a lamb before the slaughter. He, he stayed quiet. And you know Jesus when they're mocking him, and they're saying, save yourself. Prove yourself. You're a fraud. You're a sham. You know Jesus could have come down off of that cross and shown them. He could have. But what does he do? He stays quiet. He takes it for the sake of his family. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. Jesus doesn't go after them. He doesn't He doesn't tell them what's up. Instead, he simply prays to his Father. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. This is compassion. This is courage. This is sacrifice that is hard for us to fathom. So Jesus warns the ones who weep for him and he prays for the ones who mock him. And then third, Jesus saves the one who believes in him. Verse 39, one of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and, for, and, and, and us. That is, I mean, that is the natural response. I mean, this man is, he is in pain. He is dying. And, and he says, Jesus, if you, if you're the Messiah, what are you doing right now? Save us. Save yourself and then us. Don't forget us. Get yourself and then get us. This is the last, this is the last gasp of a, of a dying criminal. This is the only thing that makes sense to say if you're hanging on the cross. Verse 40, but the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God? Since you are under the same sentence of condemnation, and we indeed justly, we, we deserve what we're getting, for we are receiving the, the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, some of my favorite, verse, my favorite words in the Bible, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Jesus is not only a compassionate prophet and priest, he is a compassionate king who brings sinners into His eternal 
kingdom. The, the cross is, it doesn't look like it to anybody who's standing there, but the cross is Jesus the King claiming His kingdom, conquering our sinfulness, conquering Satan, conquering death. And, and what we see here on the cross is this, is the, is the power of God to save. Every time someone believes the gospel, it is a miracle. And never is that more clear than right here. There's no reason why this criminal should have believed the gospel. I mean, think about what he believed here as he's hanging on his own cross. He believed that, that he is guilty before God. Not only does he deserve the, 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 uh, the execution from the, from the state, the, the Roman execution. Not only is he guilty before Rome, he is guilty before God. He is getting what he deserves before God. Not only does he believe that, but he also believes that, that Jesus is perfectly righteous. He's done nothing wrong. How did this man believe that? How could you look at what Jesus is enduring and, and believe that? Why, why would you not believe that Jesus is also getting what he deserved? And then he also believed that Jesus is the king of an eternal kingdom. That doesn't look like an eternal king dying in agony next to me. And then he also believed that not only is Jesus perfectly righteous and the king of an eternal kingdom, but that also Jesus in his mercy would bring him into that kingdom. How in the world does this man believe all this? Someone tell me logically how this happened. It should never have happened. Because then you have to tell me, how did you believe? How did you get there? How did someone explain the public execution of a first century Jew to you and you're like, yeah, that's how I'm saved? How did that happen? Because the cross is the power of God to those who are being saved. 1 Corinthians says, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. To the other criminal, this is foolishness. This is ridiculous. But to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. You see 1 Corinthians 1.18 in those two criminals, don't you? Do you see it any clearer anywhere else in the Bible? Maybe in ourselves? God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of Him, because of God, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. The cross is everything to us. Jesus is everything to us. So that is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Because of Him, the, the Word of the cross is the power of God. Because of Him, apart from the grace of God, we would be like these rulers. We'd be like these soldiers. We would despise the cross. It would be a joke to us. We would despise the cross that God designed to save us. But God in His grace has chosen what is low. Because of Him, you are in Christ Jesus. 
Do you believe the word of the cross this morning? Do you believe that you stand guilty before God because of your sin? Do you believe that Jesus is and always has been and always will be perfectly righteous? And that despite the fact that he is perfectly righteous, he suffered on that humiliating cross as if he were a vile sinner? And on that cross, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. Do you believe that we are like sheep who have gone astray and we have turned every one of us to our own way and the Lord has laid on Him the iniquity of us all? Do you believe that all those who believe this word of the cross, that they desperately need a Savior and that Jesus is that Savior, that that all those who believe the word of the cross will be forgiven of their sin? Do you see this morning what Jesus endured to, to bring you forgiveness? To bring you peace with God? Do you see what He endured for you? So that you can have eternal life? If you don't believe that, or if you're wondering about it, if you've got questions about it, come find me afterwards. I don't yell this much in real life. I can have a normal, I can have a normal for me conversation with you. If you don't, if you're not sure about the gospel, if you're not sure about what Jesus has accomplished on the cross and, and whether or not you need it, whether or not you actually stand guilty before God because of your sin. If you're not sure, if you have any questions whatsoever, come find me. We'll talk. If you don't have any questions, you just don't believe, then please believe right now. Believe the Word of the cross. Please, right now. And if you do believe... Survey the wondrous cross this morning. That's the only so what of the sermon. Just see Jesus on His cross for you. See see the the atrocity of your sin and then see the shocking grace of God. See it and rejoice. Believe and worship you ever lose track of whether or not God loves you, if you ever lose track of God's love for you, and we do sometimes, survey the wondrous cross. If you are in, if you are in Christ because of God this morning, if, if because of Him you are in Christ, if, if, if you believe the word of the cross, then you even though you deserve what Jesus got, which is punishment, even though you deserve what Jesus got, you're going to get what Jesus deserves, which is paradise. You deserve what Jesus got. Punishment. You're going to get what Jesus deserves. Paradise. He endured the shame and the agony of the cross. He endured the wrath of His Father so that He could bring you to paradise with Him. Let's survey the wondrous cross and let's worship our wondrous Savior. Let's pray together. God, we thank You for Your Word. It seems very much like holy ground we're standing on when we... we, Look at the cross together. We are filled with 
thankfulness. Um, we're filled with some humility. Some, some why me? Why would Jesus do this for me? We are thankful for what you have shown us in your word this morning. We pray that you would help us to be increasingly thankful. That we would be increasingly mindful. We, we pray that you would help us, God, when we, when we lose track of your care for us, when we forget, when we get distracted, we pray that you would help us to remember the wondrous cross. We pray that you would help us to believe what Luke has recorded for us as he's been carried along by the Holy Spirit. We pray that you would help us to worship We thank you for Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.